ADP knows anything you hear, anything you don't hear, anything you kind of heard, anything you weren't supposed to hear and now have to pretend like you didn't, can change the world of work. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. Hello and welcome to Money View Week. This is Steve Dozer with Eric Holm, David Benoit, and Paul Vigna. This week we'll talk uh, about deals, another big week of deals and a milestone past after this. I'm Lex Friedman. I run my own business, so I know from experience, hiring new employees can be tough. Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 50-plus job sites, including Craigslist, LinkedIn, and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 200,000 businesses. And right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash WSJ. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash WSJ. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash WSJ. David, I want to like, you know, sort of jump in right now with you. You've been covering the drama. I mean, this is what, a seven-month drama? With seven, yes. Seven-month seven drama of Allergan. There are a lot of A's in this one. A lot of alliteration. This is great for alliteration. You got, you got Ackman, Allergan, um, you got Activist, Valiant, the one non-A. I mean, w- w- so, like, what what sort of happened here, um, you know, this week? Activist swooped in. Huge offer. Yeah. Um, on, the day it was, on the day it was announced, it valued the company at 219 A lot more cash than Valiant also had in there. Um, it's gone up since then. Yeah. yeah. Activist shares have soared. I mean, I think it's, you know, the deal... At one point this week was you know two hundred and thirty dollars a share. Yeah, it's um, been a huge reaction. And, that, and that's a hundred dollars more for everyone than when Ackman bought Allergan shares back Correct. in you know the sort of began buying them in February and March. That is a hundred dollars more than what he was. He I think he's he's paying about one twenty eight. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> So he, yep. he 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 was not a loser. Even though they didn't he, sell to the company he wanted to, he was not a loser. He did but, not get the deal, but he got over two billion dollars in profits. Not bad. I love that. I love that he made out on it, even though he didn't get what he wanted. Not that I, you know, love it for him. It's just it's so Wall Street. I just think it's it's just amazing. I mean, he orchestrated an incredible trade yeah. here. Yeah. You know, he, no. Well, he, let's I start mean, over. Reset. Yeah. yeah. Walk us through what happened. This sure. Week. So right. So. Back in April, everyone remembers Valiant and Ackman teamed up to try and buy Allergan. Their latest offer was for $53 billion, $180 a share. On Monday, Allergan, which never opened negotiations with Valiant, signed up a deal with Actavis, another kind of serial acquirer in the pharmaceutical world, for $219 a share or $66 billion, uh, essentially killing the Ackman-Valiant group uh, Valiant, within 15 minutes, Valiant put out a statement that said, we're not going to, we can't justify $219. Yeah, that was really share. fast, actually. It was really I mean, fast. you don't see that reaction usually right. at all. Right. You know, and it was, here I, they were doing it within minutes. Right. And, and, and obviously, there we had, uh, the journal had reported the day before the deal was close. Every, everyone kind of had an inkling, but no one knew the price. And 219 blew everyone away. Yeah, there's a city, uh, you know, there's a city note. I remember reading the night before. Of course. 
um, <laughs> that you know it was pegging in around two ten and two twelve, and, yeah. and, and was thinking that was on the right. a little bit on the rich side. Right. There was a report actually the day before that Valiant would walk away if it was over two ten. Um, but I, I think Valiant reacted quickly to to save their stock. They they didn't want anyone thinking they're going to try and top two nineteen and go crazy here. Uh, and their shares have been up over eight percent this week, so they they've had a good reaction too. But in the end, I mean, essentially what happened with here that, that was really interesting was, was Ackman and, and Valiant couldn't, couldn't agree in the end. They, they wanted – Ackman wanted them to bump the price, and he thought it would have kind of headed off an opposing bid, and Valiant wouldn't do it. Yeah, you had some good details on that actually in that story. It was a really good story this week. Thanks. Um, Thanks. Um, that's the only compliment you're going to get from me. Right. But, um, <laughs> no, no, it, it was a really good. You were talking about the tension because they did have this very unusual partnership. And I mean, tell us a little bit. Remind our listeners about about that partnership. Here yeah. So, so it's it's like it is. It's very unusual. There have been a few of them in the past, but this one, no, nothing anywhere near this size, essentially. And so. What happened was back in February, they, they met and agreed that they could work together on a deal. And so they brought Bill Ackman in. He signed all these non-disclosure agreements and became essentially a company insider of Valiant. And they said, we're going to go buy this company, Allergan, the maker of Botox, and you're going to buy 9.7% of Allergan shares so that when we have to go hostile, because they're already telling us they're not going to do a deal, we're going to have that 9.7%. We're going to fight to turn over the board and we're going to get our people in and, and you're the you're the you're expert you're our toehold here yes. you're gonna right. give us right right and and valiant had had gone hostile a little bit before but they they hadn't succeeded in it so they're now actually 0 for 3 in hostile deals um and they didn't have the experience to kind of they they said to to fight this kind of brutal knockdown fight against the board well just one tangent when we when someone's 0 for 3 in hostile deals that may not not necessarily be a bad thing that's true. You don't want to be the one who's overpaying in a deal here. That's so true. I think that's maybe why it's a sign of restraint. You know? it, 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 I mean, certainly that's what the Valiant side will argue, and sure. and certainly I think that's why their stocks are up. Their stock is up this. I mean, their stock throughout this period is up. Uh, I think it's about thirty percent. So they've done much better as well. And essentially, they had hoped that Bill Ackman, his presence and his he was vouching for Valiant, and he was going to become a big Valiant shareholder. He had agreed to hold the stock for two years. Uh, they hoped he his like presence would affirm to the market that Valiant was a legitimate company. It's been hammered by some shorts, including Jim Chanos and and James Grant, the the Grant Observer, and they they hoped that he would sort of affirm that that there was nothing wrong there, and 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 it just didn't work because Allergan just hammered them for the last seven months. In, in fact, he what he did give them. A pretty strong endorsement at at some point after after they sort of right as you wrote a, yeah. after after they said hey where's <laughs> where's, <laughs> where's your love? where's yeah. your where's your gold star for us yeah he did I remember that in the the big presentation yeah yeah the day they launched he he really went in went on at great length about how awesome they were he he really didn't really yeah he that wasn't what people focused on right right really for the last seven months he hasn't talked all that much about Allergan it was it was always kind of a weird thing it was. We're going to buy Allergan. I'm a 10% holder in Allergan. But this is a Valiant company. These guys are great. <laughs> and uh, that's, I think that was one of the interesting – the other interesting thing was so all the legalness. So th- th- there are two questions. First, how much – what you know, what was the – what is the ruling you know, in California that sort of allowed him to continue with that shareholder meeting 
but essentially said, this tactic is uh, pushes serious questions. Yeah, yep. they didn't say it was illegal. They just, but they walked right up to that line. Yep. Now, because the interesting thing, and then and, and just to sort of back into this, is Ackman has taken a ten percent stake um, in uh, Zoetis. And just about everyone who from A to Z, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Nice. Everyone um, you can use that if you want. That you talk to thinks that the two I, I did use that. That, that, that um, Valiant and uh, Zoetis should, um, you know, the Valiant should make a deal for Zoetis. Right. And they've and, and Valiant's also suggested that it's interested in, you know, uh, animal pharmaceuticals. Again, this week, an executive from them suggested that they would be very interested in animal health, though would not affirm that Zoetis is a target. Uh, so what are you asking? What, what does so that I, ruling so mean like, for whether think, they do this again? Do, yeah, like wh- do you think this is the, another move? Do you think, um, you know, how does that ruling sort of impact uh, Ackman and, you know, his, you know, and Valiant working together? I mean, are they so, completely not separate? So it's, it's a little bit different. So certainly that ruling, they were, they were I think – upset about that ruling, as, as it would be if a judge said you raised serious questions about violating insider trading rules. Um, in in Zoetis, it's different because they didn't build this position as a partner. Right. Ackman built it. He clearly is aware that Valiant has been out saying we, we'd be interested in it. He's, he's not stupid. He knows that. He knows they've been saying that. Uh, and, and everyone believes that it's a takeover target. So there would probably be less of a, a risk there, though... Some people might wonder, well, what did you really talk about even if you didn't have a real partnership? You know, yeah. what kind of information was shared? I, I think they're liable. Because they have been that. talking about other things. Yes. Yeah. Right. There was a list Obviously. back in February. There was a list of targets Valiant was interested in, and, and Allergan was the one they picked off that list. I'm under the impression that Zoetis is not on that list. But uh, it will be interesting. So I think, I think right, the key question is, is – they need to get their target, but they made $2 billion. Does everyone else want to do this kind of link up? Because if you make $2 billion, it sounds like a pretty I mean, pretty essentially deal. Valiant put, you know, a floor in. Now, granted, like, you know, if Allegan had been able to make, you know, a big acquisition that shareholders hated and the stock, you know, Allegan's, you know, uh, and or, uh, you, you know, so there's, in, in some ways it could have backfired on Ackman. Right. But by and large... The fact that he was going in with Valiant there with this huge offer put a floor under, you know, the shares, and he was going to make money no matter what. Yep. Yep. I mean, and that's why that's why other people will consider doing it. It's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Um, moving forward, what about, uh, you know, the M&A market? We've been waiting since 2007 for it to, to rebound, and it crossed the $3 trillion mark. First time it's done that since 2007. It's been sort of hovering in that 2824 um, range now. Um, I'm going to I'm going to throw this to Paul. Does this seem like this? You know, are you, you know, we know what happened in 2007. We know the last time. You know, the the, the other peak in the M&A market, 1999, 2000. We know what happened then. What could go wrong? <laughs> is this a sign that the you know another sign that the market is topped? Yeah, I. I don't know. I think it's a sign that the top is coming. And the thing that sort of perked up my ears was the front page of the paper this week uh, 
when we're talking about these deals, when it was on the front page, there was a really nice graphic they put there that showed M&A deals by dollar volume. I think it was dollar volume over the last 15 some odd years. And you could see the peak for U.S. deals came in 1999 and the peak for global deals came in 2007. Well, both of those coincided pretty closely with market tops as well. So the question is, is this a sign that another market top is coming? And also 2000 was, you know, the next year was just slightly below 99. Right, right. So it was like a more of a two-year thing there. But it, Which like I if think, you had overlaid that with, a, you know, a, uh, a chart of the Dow, right. you would have you had – It would line up pretty peak, well. You know, the peaks would have been – Right. So, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I go to Grocer and I say, Grocer, Grocer, look at this. Look at this chart. Look what it shows. And he says, uh, you know, t- typical, you know – Venia looking for the the holes and everything bad yeah but but I think it is a legitimate thing to start thinking about I'm not saying that what we saw this week is a sign that the top is here I'm I I am saying though I am suggesting though that you know these deals heat up when the markets heat up when there's a lot of money sloshing around when stocks become a valuable currency again and they start using these things you start to see this and I think you're starting to see this I think this is probably going to end up being whether this is a top or not that'll be a story that'll get told in 2015 i don't think this what we're seeing right now even though you're going to hit a new high in m&a deals uh in dollar volume i don't think that this right now is the high it could be but i don't think it is but i do think that this is going to be something people are going to think about in 2015 and i'm starting in the back of my head to come up with my my list of reasons why 2015 is the top and I, I hate to say that, you know, well, I don't, yeah. you're starting to see more and more things to get worried about. And I know I'm always looking for more and more things to get worried about. But this is one more thing that I think you should, people should start to be aware of. I mean, think about the psychology behind the executives and boards that are determining to make these deals. A lot of them are using their shares, which are high value to them right now. The market's up. So they're, it's, a, it's a better currency yeah. to go buy someone else. And they are reluctant most of the time to use those shares unless they think they're full valued. Valiant, one of the things, one of the reasons they didn't want to raise their price was they didn't think their stock was full valued. So if, if you have all these executives of these major companies willing to spend billions of dollars of their shares because they think they're full valued, where are those shares going to go? Yeah. And, and oftentimes, too, it's like, you know, share prices, you know, is oftentimes used as also, you know, a vote of confidence by the people, the executives making those decisions. Their, their share price is up high. You know, it's, they, they feel more confident in their company. They feel more confident in doing this. They're not on the hot seat. They're, you know, like they, they have a little bit more leeway to do what is arguably the most risky thing they're going to do. Yep. Um, and, you know, and I, I, you know, you're 100% right, you know. But what's interesting, too, is – and this is I, – I, you know, I, I think we're sort of – if we're going to compare this to uh, – uh, 2000 sort of seven period or in the, the 90s period I, I I do think we might be closer to 2005 right now than we will be in um, to 2007 and you know the reason I, 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 you know we were starting to see it like after basically last summer you know, I'd say it was Verizon but Last summer, I think we started to really see a sort of turnaround in the deal market. Like, you know, people started feeling much more confident about where the economy was going, direction of the economy. I think, you know, other than the first quarter blip this year, people are feeling more confident. You know, executives are feeling more confident in the U.S. economy and looking to do deals because it's really the only the U.S. that is 
truly recovered in terms of deal making here. And I think unless it's an inverted U.S. company somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, activists. <laughs> yeah, ah, uh, valiant. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I think those. I think what you're sort of seeing is like that confidence come back, and it was you know, and there was so much pent up. You know, we had a six years lull and deal making. I think there's a lot of pent up energy that you sort of just start flowing through, and I and I think we're in the beginning of this. Um, but that also. All of this can drastically change like this. I mean, there's you know the same as with the you, you know the markets and the like you know there are significant headwinds out there. There seem those those are the same headwinds I think that people are worrying about for the deal. You know, interest rates start you know inflation becomes an issue. Interest rates start coming up. All of a sudden, you know, cheap financing goes away. Um, mm-hmm. You know, right. how long can the you know the U.S. Stay inoculated, you know the U.S. economy stay inoculated from the the woes that are sort of impacting Europe, China, Japan, um, you know, and if any of those things sort of in you know sort of you know start uh, you know weighing on the U.S. economy, stocks start coming down. Right. I think you can see a real quick pullback um, in the deal market. Yeah, I think you know the other thing is those two periods were very closely associated with bubbles, and as much as I. As much as I really think that our markets right now, globally, are just fundamentally just mispriced, m- mispriced and malformed, I don't think they're bubbles. I mean, a bubble is when people are so, you know, so amped up, so ebullient, so jammed about that things are never going to get that they'll just buy anything, they'll do anything. This the, a bubble is a psychological thing. This this time right now, the psychology is very, very different. I don't think this is a bubble. I think people are being pushed into risky assets by the Fed, ECB, Bank of Japan. They're doing what the markets are telling them to do. But it, it's just – it's not a bubble. I, I really think that. So, you know, that, so that's – So is that a sign that this maybe isn't the top? Right, right. That, that's a sign that maybe this isn't the top. Right. Yeah. You know, just to be yeah. fair. But uh, I mean, but, but it is. I mean, like you know, what gets you into that sort of top in the bubble is when confidence moves from being confident to overconfident yeah. to being reckless. And you know, it, it, this is a sign that confidence is returning. And so, how much longer before that transitions? Right. Is, it it is goes a, to your idea that maybe this is oh five. Yeah. Not oh six or oh seven. Possible, yeah. You know, of course, the other thing we didn't say when we were talking about how they're using their stock as currency here for these deals is that the, the companies that they're buying, of course, their prices have also run up quite a okay, bit. Sure. So they're not getting good deals necessarily. No. I mean, that's sure. what's interesting too is like a lot of this is – this is in many ways is, is a little bit more similar to like the 99, 2002 than 2007 because 2007 was – you know, private equity went from being like – you know, private equity usually makes up less than 10 percent of all deal volume. Um, and I think in they were in the you know quarter to you know above a, you know quarter of all deals were private equity deals, and it was all financing. And you, you saw private equity, you know, actually beating out strategics, which they shouldn't be doing. Um, and this time around, you know, um, I think you know the, the percentage no private or what? Well, yeah, there's yeah, there's very little, very right? little private equity. They're only buying from each other, and. Um, isn't that a warning? And sign shares that? are share in the use of shares is 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 pretty high. Right, and uh, I think it's at its highest level ever. But how do we interpret that lack of PE deals? Um, that the, you know, they're they're being. I mean, I think there are two things. I think because um, they have dry powder, they have they have the no, they have plenty. To deals. It, it's, right, uh, but they don't I, have the shares to use. Yeah, right. Like no. they're, they're not they're not willing to overpay. Yeah. 
And I and like you know they might be more so some major market player out there thinks that what's being paid for deals right now is too much. Yeah, correct. And I would say and I would argue that um, if you're a private equity buyer and you're looking at you know to, that's exactly what you you should never be able to beat a strategic buyer because they can you know issue shares. And, and I mean, and they also and they also the other difference too is they also have synergies. So like the company you know. Um, <laughs> and everyone laughs. I always laugh when I say synergy, but like, it is true. Like you know, you, you like you know, you can you can cut workforces. You can you know d- you know cut factories. You can slim the companies down. But you know, there you know there are billions you can sort of save if you're a strategic buyer versus a private equity firm. You know, their their synergies are you know they don't have synergies, and like their cost cutting is is is. Um, you know, it has to be more tight. And the other thing, too, is like as we've also seen, and this has been a big driver this year, is also the tax benefits right. that strategic buyers have had. Um, you know, a, a large number, uh, you know, one of the interesting things is foreign buyers of U.S. companies, and that includes <laughs> U.S. companies that tax inverted <laughs> years ago, like activists, but foreign buyers of U.S. companies, um, the, that deal volume this year has tripled. It's gone from about, um, I think it was like ninety billion to almost three hundred uh, um, billion uh, this year, and what that you know, and you you've seen a lot of you know what that sort of suggests is like, you know, they can get tax benefits from these deals that you know make it um, more economic for yeah. them as yeah. opposed that to would private equity firms wouldn't right. necessarily yeah. get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the other things that I think was, was interesting in that page one story we were talking about earlier about about the rise of deals. If you're looking for this to be the top or next year to be the top, uh, somewhat worryingly, I thought Joe Perella, like one of the legendary deal makers on the street, pointed out, don't forget, next year is 2015. 2016 is right around the corner, and there will be a presidential election, and that's the kind of thing that could really put the brakes on people doing deals. <laughs> but the could, year before why? could speed up deals. Why? Uh, well, partially because people, companies and stuff, especially on taxes and other things, will be waiting to kind of, they're afraid to move if there's going to be changes in regulation or, or maybe it'll get better. Antitrust. Or, yeah, you know, like, you know, like if you look at like, you know, Obama, the Obama administration has been tighter on antitrust, um, you know, than the Bush administration. Um, you know, I think that. And there was some talk as to fair. when the Republicans are going to act on potential corporate tax reform, if they do it in this Congress or if they wait right. in hopes of getting a president that they can uh, more easily work and then, with. You know, and then there's all, like, you know, the health care debate. And, you know, if the Republicans win, then, you know, you know what's going to happen there? Because that changes, mm-hmm. right. that just changes the economic, you know, when you're doing your your math to figure out if this deal makes sense, all these things change it dramatically. Right. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I think that's a good place to end it now. Yeah, good um, tight podcast. It was good to have David Benoit week. back. It's good to be back. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And we didn't even talk, you know, Eric Holmes, you know, big trade in his fantasy baseball league. Um, <laughs> is, 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 post, is your post on that out yet? Oh, I'll go write a post on it now. Yeah, okay. we, we got to get that post out. This has been Steve Grosser, Eric Holmes, David Benoit, and Paul Vigna. Thanks for joining us. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude.